Money FM 89.3, best of workday afternoon. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to Market View Wrap on Money FM 89.3. I'm Clarissa Montero in the studio with me, finance presenter JP Ong, and on the phone, Jeff Howie from the SGX market, a strategic market analyst from the SGX. Every week I say it's been an interesting week. This week, uh, I need a new word. Eventful. Uh, well, I think it's been tone more setting. than just eventful. And tone a setting, picnic to be honest. is eventful. <laughs> <laughs> this week has been um, hard to digest, and I think some of us are still digesting it. But right now, digest this. The SDI is down 0.56% to 2,574 points. Uh, it had been very strong in the last couple of days. It, and, you know, I don't know how much of this is local market <coughs> news affecting markets or the uh, stalemate that seems to exist in the U.S. presidential elections. I think there are a handful of reasons why maybe markets ran, uh, perhaps lost a little bit of steam today. But first off, hats off to the Straits Times Index, which had a very impressive last four days. Mm. We went over the course of, well, let's go back actually to last week, Thursday. We went from uh, being on the brink of maybe even falling below 2,400 to yesterday being uh, flirting with 2,600. So that's an impressive uh, swing back, at least for the Straits Times Index. And, you know, when you see these, uh, uh, these runs don't, all, don't last forever. And it seems that today might have been the day where, uh, they, where, 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 the, where the gains at least decided to take a pause. The Straits Times Index is down by about 14.5 points, 2,574 is where the local benchmark sits, about 644 million Singapore dollars in total value turnover. Um, and more losers in the winter today, 198 versus 149 is the tail of the tape at the moment. We're also seeing a similar step back, though, in certain markets. It's fairly, it's more mixed, actually, when you look at the Asia-Pacific. Greater Chinese uh, markets are just, are, are taking a step back. Also, they are simmering down. The Shanghai Composites trading about 0.6% in the red. The Shenzhen Bourse down by 1.2%. And the Hang Seng, also in Hong Kong, fall, uh, trading about 0.2% lower, or 45 points down. Um, now, Chinese President Xi Jinping did outline that he does think that the Chinese economy might be able to double its size by 2035, but did say that he envisions a future where growth will probably not be above 5% uh, 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 pr- pretty soon because because of China's uh, because of statements that China wants to focus on quality rather than quantity growth moving forward. But if that is that is a bit of a step back uh, from uh, market ex- markets that have been used to China growing at six or seven percent every year. Perhaps that's one of the reasons why things are a little bit weighted out in China at the moment. Uh, in Greater China, the Taiwan Weight Exchange though is trading about 32 points higher, so not a bad day for fo- for stocks in Taipei. The rest of the region though, the Nikkei 225 is up by about 1.1 percent. The ASX 200 trading about 0.8 percent in the green. The South Korean Kospi though just trimming things in, da- in the red, but sliding by just three points. Uh, they're just three points down so far today. This could also just be because of the um, you know all the developments with regards to the U.S. elections. Eventually, these uh, sort of catalysts tend to fizzle out a bit. Maybe folks are also taking stock of. Uh, of uh of uh, comments from, from U.S. Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell. Yes, they did. Uh, you know, the, you know, the, we, this week was so momentous that uh, people might be forgiven for forgetting that the U.S. that the Federal Federal Reserve was set to make their next policy decision. But he did say that although they might be altering like the, some of the terms or uh, or modifying some of the terms of their bo- of their asset purchases, he did tell markets don't expect too much in terms of changes in terms of uh, in terms of bond buying. It probably will stay the same uh, the same way it is, which means that the, that there could be limited. Um, 
limited additional stimulus, at least from monetary policymakers in in the U.S., which then f- brings your focus back again to a to a possible fiscal stimulus package moving forward. But if we do see, say, um, US, uh, US, former U.S. Vice President Joe Biden do take the White House, for instance, but we do see a split legislature. It could make the passage of certain measures, such as, say, a fiscal stimulus package, perhaps called under question, a little bit more challenging moving forward if that happens. So I think these are some of the things that markets are gauging so far today. But oh, in fairness, I mean, the Straits Times Index down by about half a percent. Hey, you know, it's not really the end of the world, especially given how much ground it actually made in the last four days. Yeah, it's so true. Jeff, we had yeah, yeah four days of consecutive gains. And Very nice. Yeah, the other the other index that JP just mentioned there, the Crosby. Um, you know, th- this week there was uh, just two indices across Asia that actually uh, reached six uh, percent gains over the last five days, um, and that was one was the STI Straits Times Index, the other was the Crosby. So um, interesting that both seen similar sort of intraday decline so far today, but look, uh, I'm driving it in, in the STI, but there were a lot of big Singapore Inc. names in there that led the gains, you know, Ascender Street, Maple Tree Commercial Trust, DBS, Capital Land Integrated Commercial Trust was in there, as well as uh, Maple Tree Logistics Trust, Maple Tree Industrial Trust, Singtel and UOB, um, and then also I think making up the top 10 performing were Thai Beverage and Wilma. Uh, big, big, big results too, a lot of earnings this week. Um, for the banks, uh, you know, as expected, we expected these um, earnings to fall somewhat on the declining revenue and, of course, the higher allowances with the pandemic. Um, but, you know, we're seeing the, some quarterly operating profits improving with the, you know, the easing of the lockdowns. And I think importantly, too, the trio, the, the, the three, DBS, OCBC and UOB, they were still able to generate more than $5 billion, Singapore $5 billion in quarterly net interest income. Um the combined net interest income for um, the third quarter of 20 was just under $5.1 billion, but importantly, that combined quarterly net interest income, it's been above the $5 billion threshold since the first quarter of 2018, and I, and I think prior to that had crossed above the quarterly $4 billion mark back in 2014. But for the, for the earnings, I guess, and, and for the um, reaction, it was, it's interesting to see how Wilmar, because Will, yeah, did you see, that was, that, that's a week ago, that was, that was after the Friday close, Wilmar uh, posted its, its, its highest third quarter core results since listing. It's um you know so it's had it's had three consecutive strong quarters so it's uh, I think it's nine months net profit is up 34 percent from the same period last year. But what we saw this week, the company then proceeded to go and buy back 20 million of its shares for a consideration of around 85 million dollars, and that was between the second of November and the third November. So they paid um, anywhere between four dollars four dollars and eleven cents to four dollars and thirty one cents, the average price at four dollars and twenty four cents, and that represented 0.3 percent of its issued shares as of the um, date of that share buyback resolution. But prior to that, the company hadn't bought back its shares since uh, August 2016, so there was quite, quite some time then. And also, on Wednesday and Thursday, the Wilmar chairman and CEO, he, who has been involved in grains and oils and oil seeds since 1973, uh, he increased his total interest in Wilmar as well, from 12.62% to 12.67%, buying over 3 million shares at around that $4.28 and $4.29 level. So, uh, as you know, big, big, big month for, for Wilmar, with YKA now almost 90 
20% subsidiary of Wilmar and listed on Shenzhen. And there is that current valuation gap that sees YKA having a maintaining or maintaining a price earnings ratio of around 48 times compared to Wilmar's price to earnings ratio of 15 times. And the board also did, I know this is last week's news, it was, it was after the Friday close, but importantly too, did announce in that outlook that a special dividend of approximately 15% of the total IPO proceeds will be declared in 2021 to commemorate the successful listing of YKA. Right, that is about 300 million US dollars, I think, in terms of a special dividend to yes. uh, outlay or provide investors. And I think that was also a very insignificant amount of icing on the cake. Yeah, it was. Uh, but I think much of the focus now is uh, is obviously the election result. Um, it's interesting, too, if you... Uh, while we've had these moves this week, uh, it was very different back in 2000. Uh, you, you remember that immediate election result was also too close to call, and there were close to five weeks from the election date to when the actual U.S. Supreme Court ordered you know, Florida recount to, to, to finish. I was in the, the U.S. during that time. Were you? I was, <laughs> actually. And it was fascinating because the first time I saw on the U.S. election play out, you know, when I, was, when I was studying in New York and also just understanding the Electoral College, which really befuddled me also. But I think that there's no better way to learn it, actually, than actually watching how an election unfolds. And 2016 was not as, you know, it was, it almost felt a bit like deja vu, just as a personal aside there, Jeff. But yeah, it was a very fascinating 2000, 2000 for sure. Yeah, it's uh, it was it's it's fascinating and it's just as fascinating now. Obviously, we're, we're all we're all watching so closely. Nevertheless, uh, you know, back in that time, the, it was a big year for 2000 as, as well because you remember back in April 2000, we had the big memorable sell-off in the tech stocks as well. So um, that oh, period, two, that, yes. yeah, yeah, it was, it, it, were you there back in the US yeah, as well? Yeah, but yep. in, but instead of being Facebook and uh, and in if it being Facebook and uh, an Alphabet, I believe it was eBay and um, let me see Hewlett Packard. I think those were the big tech ones that were actually <laughs> and Cisco. Like this was the old guard, if I'm not mistaken. I was um, uh, 20 years ago. This time I was in Sydney working at Jardine Fleming Futures desk, there you go. eagerly eagerly broking the MSCI Singapore Simsky Futures. Uh, as a <laughs> Were you looking at pets.com as well, Jeff, at the time? <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, look, I guess for the, in terms of the market moves back then, so, so Vice President Gore, he, he conceded defeat on the 13th of December. So if you look at the election from the 8th of November through to the 14th of December back in 2000, the STI was basically unchanged. Uh, it... it it uh, it did have a little bit of variation, so it did move around uh, you know three three percent up, three percent down thereabouts. But importantly, the um, the old charts show that the momentum did slow down significantly over that period. With five day volatility gauge, it actually formed its two thousand year low on the first of December. Right. So uh, that was back when the STI was trading around the two thousand level. I think it, it moved from twenty forty two to twenty thirty eight over the three weeks. Got us high as 2070 and as low as 1954. Right. I think the difference between 2000 and this election right now, Jeff, though, is, um, you know, when you look at uh, at, uh, former Vice President Gore and former President George W. Bush's policies, economic policies, yes, there were differences, but not as stark as these. Depending on who wins, you might see a moderation of U.S.-China relations under a Biden presidency, or if Trump, uh, President Trump comes in, he might accelerate some of these uh, higher tariffs, some of these higher protectionist measures also. So I think there's a lot at stake when maybe... 
you know, maybe uh, just as a posit, maybe that's one of the reasons why Singapore wasn't reacting as much to 2000, whereas now, because trade policies or global trade relations and dynamics are in, under threat, maybe this could also impact of this very open and vulnerable economy that we have. Yeah, that's, that's 100% right. And you, you look at uh, when the trade war started, it was early 2018, remember, solar panels and washing machines and yes. so forth. But uh, before then, in the 2017, uh, Singapore, which does have a high trade dependence, it was amongst the strongest economies and uh, the strongest advanced economies in the world in mm-hmm. 2017. It also had amongst the strongest performing uh, stock markets in 2017 across the advanced across all the economies basically. So, uh, it, yeah, a, a, a lot at stake. But at the same time, there's obviously the, the hope that uh, with so much evident div- divisiveness and you know that that there can be. Uh, uh, way forward to uh, to right. try and unite. And, and just very quickly, I mean, that strength of Singapore, too, it was highlighted a few months ago, actually, that Singapore is one of the only the seven countries left in that AAA rating club, where you're AAA rated across Fitch, Moody's, and S&P. It's a smaller club at the moment, but also highlights just how, how solid some of the fundamentals and the strength and the ground that Singapore is on. Of course, things have to be well managed at all times, but nevertheless, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, bit, it's a bit of comfort that, you know, the, the, the rock that Singapore is on, at least, is a bit solid. Yeah, and, and we are still, still seeing that sequential uh, recovery somewhat. I, I know retail sales were not an overall highlight, albeit the hypermarkets and the online sales grew, uh, and, you know, basic furniture and household equipment and and so forth. But the uh, the PMI number for for, uh, for the month of October also came through, so the PMI is at a 19-month high now, and the uh, electronics PMI even better at a 25-month high at the moment. Uh, faster expansion rates for new orders, exports, and factory output as well. And then there's that uh, element of defensiveness in the manufacturing, and that's uh, the, the manufacturing and distribution of medical and protective equipment. That still continues to maintain a defensive factor, obviously. So what we've seen this year in the stock market very much is the uh, the the healthcare stocks uh, that are very related to the distribution and the manufacturing of this this equipment, or this healthcare equipment. Uh, as well as those companies with exposure to digitalization, work from home, related electronics and so forth. Those components of our market have been the strongest. So when you look at the 100 most traded, uh, the as of the of, as of I think it was the Wednesday close, um, you've got you've got 36 companies, more than a third of them generating gains, of which almost two thirds of those 36 represent those tech and healthcare sectors. Mm. All right, gentlemen, and there's a lot of information to to think about on the um, right before we end. The only thing that that concerns me maybe is you brought up uh, Gore and Bush. The difference here is there might not be a concession in a month. Well, that's the other thing, right? We might not see a concession in a month or maybe even for months on end. And it's uh, we're seeing signs of that, at least at the moment. Yeah. And that that uh, volatility does concern me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and and the focus, the U.S. focus, we've been very focused on its on its domestics and less focus, I guess, for the for the international arena that we're all in. Right.
And uh, you know, just uh, just to highlight, since you did bring up volatility, uh, the good news is that the VIX index, at least in the U.S., has come down significantly. Also, it's now at about twenty-seven and a half. Um, leading up to the elections, it did spike by about ten to twelve points. That's mm. how big an event it was. But it seems that the VIX index is starting to calm down. Perhaps markets are starting to accept the, uh, the possibility that we might see. And we're not calling the elections again. I want to remind our listeners: we're not calling the elections. But so far. Yeah, the signs are pointing at a potential uh, Biden presidency, mm-hmm. but he might be facing a split Congress. But what they're saying in markets at the moment is that this might actually constrain um, uh, uh, constrain any attempts by by Democratic administration to try and raise taxes to try and crack down on big tech, for instance, in certain uh, industries. Um, but then again, that could also spell a possible challenges to any potential attempts to make to put forward a fiscal stimulus package moving forward. So it could be just a, a similar number of problems also moving forward. But so far, markets seem to be at least accepting of that potential. But again, anything can happen because things could get contested. Things could easily swing Trump's way again, uh, President Trump's way as well. Uh, it's a it's a big gap, but you know there, there, some people say that there is still a chance at some point. There so, is a path through. Still. Yeah, there is still a path still. So let's uh, you know, let, like, uh, all we have to do is just sit back and uh, hopefully we don't choke on our popcorn while we're watching. Well, here on Money FM eighty nine point three, if there is any breaking news and updates on the U.S. elections, we will bring it to you as soon as possible. I'm Clarissa Montero. He is finance presenter JP Ong, and on the phone we've had Jeff Howie, strategic market analyst from the SGX, gentlemen. This has been a very, very thought-provoking market view wrap this week. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SBH radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.